0: Okay, so I am going to, so uh, let me kind of give you just a, a heads up, a, a break, okay? Uh, I do, uh, Drew and I, uh, uh, not that one, I don't know why that one pulled up. Yeah, that one's not it. Uh, it's, it's the one, it's II2, yeah. Uh, that one's an old one. That's an oldie but a goodie. So let me kind of give you a heads up. Last week when we started this, last week we started, I had y'all go to a whole bunch of scriptures. We are still going to go to a lot of scriptures today. We are still going to do a lot of scriptures today. But we are going to focus in and zero in on stories rather than just the breadth of reading a couple of verses. Uh, let me also let you know this. So how long has it been now that the Legacy Standard Bible came out with their New Testament? How, that was back at the beginning of the summer? It was right, it was right before school ended, wasn't it? So maybe back around April, maybe back around April, uh, the Legacy Standard Bible was, uh, came to where we could purchase it. Now, what we have in here, most of the time, is so we've got an ESV. What does ESV stand for? Does anyone know what ESV stands for? The English Standard Version. All right. I have always used the English Standard Version with you guys. I still love the translation. Absolutely think it's fantastic. But when they came out with the LSB, the Legacy Standard Bible, Drew and I could not get our hands on it quick enough. And we got it. We started pouring through it. And guys, I have grown to where I really, really, really enjoy the Legacy Standard Bible uh, a whole lot. Uh, They only have the New Testament translated now. And the Psalms and Proverbs but I might be, once they get the Old Testament translated, which should be coming up this fall, I might make the transition to the Legacy Standard Bible that I start teaching from in here. Maybe. I might. I haven't decided full on yet. But that doesn't, just let so you know. But the Psalm 24 that you have up here on your study guide is from the Legacy Standard Bible. And I love the way that it reads. I'm going to read it to you. We're going to use Psalm 24 as a launching pad for this series. Last week, we started off with it. And this week we're going to continue. So let me read it to you. Psalm 24, 8 through 10 says, Who is this King of Glory? Yahweh, strong and mighty mighty. Yahweh mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift yourselves up, O ancient doors, that the King of Glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? Yahweh of hosts, He is the King of glory, Selah. I love that translation. One of the reasons why I like the Legacy Standard Bible is because... Um, like, if you open up to... Someone else open up to Psalm 24 in your ESV. Someone, this is just a, a quick... You're already there? Alright. So when you open up to Psalm 24... I want you to read... Read Psalm 24, verses 8 through 10... In the, are you in the ESV? Where did it translate you? Yeah. ESV? Read that, and I want you guys to read along on the study guide and just see some of the differences, okay? It's not a huge difference. I just want you to see some of the differences. Go for it whenever you. Okay, when you look at it, it says, what, did you guys notice a particular difference in there? Yeah, it uh, uses, uses Yahweh instead of the Lord. Now the Lord is correct, but when you read the Lord there in your ESV translation, what is is there anything notable about that the the word Lord there? The L. Just the L, or, or all of it. So the way they do it in there is they do it like this, the Lord, all right? Let me explain to you why. Let me explain to you why. Now, when we come to this, when we come to this rendering of the word Lord, there are times when it's just Lord and it's just this, like we normally see it. But here in Psalm 24, you have it all caps. Why is that? It's because the word that they translate the Lord from is actually this word that you have on your study guide, Yahweh. But, but, it was different. See, this is the actual name of God. Yahweh is the actual name that God gave the Hebrews to call him. I am that I am, Yahweh, all right? And they took it so seriously The Hebrews took this word so seriously that when they wrote down Yahweh in the Scriptures, this is how they wrote it. Now, if you look at this, can everybody see it? Can you pronounce this? You can't, can you? Why can't you pronounce this? There's no vowels, right? It's only consonants there. So if you tried... If you tried to pronounce it, if you try to pronounce it, you'd come up with it, you, you, you can't pronounce it. People, when they come to, now, or, or, actually, when they see this Y, a lot of times that made the J sound, J, like a J today's time, okay? Now, here's the thing. When people came to this at first, when they came to this word, and they didn't really know what it was, but they knew it was the personal name of God. They know it was I am that I am. When you see a capitalized L, capitalized O, capitalized R, capitalized D, this is the word it's always coming from. They knew this is the name of God, but we don't know what it is. And the Hebrews wouldn't even write it out because they wouldn't even want to come close to ever saying a blasphemy against God. And so they would write it like this to where you can't pronounce it. And so when scholars came in later on, they would try and take a guess at what was missing. And in fact, they would, they came up with this one. Let's see if I can get it to right. Now sometimes this Y makes a J sound, and the W makes a V sound. So if you had the J sound right there, and the V sound right there, what do you have? Jehovah. Jehovah. That's where we get the name Jehovah from. Because they put the wrong vowels in. The correct vowels, the right vowels though, to put in the place there, is this right here. So that you get Yahweh. So understand guys, when we come to Psalm 24, when we use this as a launching pad, when we start to see this as a study into introducing Emmanuel, I understand we are talking about a personal name of God, the I am that I am. We are talking about a God who desires to be known, a God who wants us to be acquainted with Him. We're talking about Yahweh. We're talking about the I am that I am. And by very definition, when you come to this word, you have to come to it with a sense of reverence because this is the name that God gave us to call him and this is the personal name of God. And so when we get here, when we see Psalm 24, last week we looked at the question, who is Jesus? Or simply here from the first part of Psalm 24, who is this King of Glory? We talked about who the King of Glory is. We talked about who Yahweh is, and it's Jesus. So who is this King of glory? Who is Emmanuel? Who is God with us? It's Jesus. This week, we're moving a little bit further in the verse. We're moving just, just a little bit further in the verse, and we're going to see more about this Lord. We're going to see more about Yahweh, this King of glory, Jesus. What we're really going to zero in on tonight is number one on your study guide, and it's the part, it's the second section in Psalm 24, and it's this Yahweh, strong and mighty. That's what we're zeroing in on tonight. Yahweh, strong and mighty. Now, we talked about last week, this Jesus, and everywhere Jesus went, people said, who is this guy? Who is this man who does all these incredible things? We read verse after verse after verse after verse after verse last week of people who would see him and say, who is this guy? Or where did he come from? Or why does he think he can say these things? And this verse in Psalm 24 will help us get a definition of who this guy is, who this king of glory is. This king of glory is Yahweh, strong and mighty. Now, back in the 80s and back in the 90s, there were some people who capitalized on this whole strong and mighty thing. All right? There were uh, these guys who they loved to prove exactly how big and tough and bad they were. Joe, you might, and Keith, y'all might know. who. went there. All right, you went there. You saw them live. Who was it? It was the power team. The power team, baby. The power team. It was these guys who got up there, and they did all kinds of crazy acts of strength and power to show off to Keith, Chris. Did y'all ever go to them? Yeah, did y'all go to them? Did y'all go over there and y'all get just like fired up and pumped up? These guys could get you so ready. Have you been to them? Yeah, these guys rip phone books. I mean, these guys do stupid stuff like that. All right, they are still around. These guys are still around. I want you to see. Now, when we're talking about, we're talking about Yahweh strong and mighty, I want you to see what these guys do. I've got a preview that you're going to see some of the things that they do. All right, and you might recognize the music. All right, I get it. You might recognize some of the music. I want you guys to see if this is, if, are they tapping into the strong and mighty here? I want you guys just to see what they're doing. I want to see what they're up to. And this is like from 2005. We should take a field trip. We're not taking a field trip. So do we have that video? All right. You guys get ready. The power team. Woo! They get you so fired up. They would get you so fired up. <laughs> look at that. Breaking bricks. Look at that. Blowing up those bladders. Oh, oh. Look at that. No one could, do you remember doing that? Do you remember doing that? You, remember doing that? They, you couldn't break his grip. Breaking bats. Talking. Look at that. Man, they would get you so, you guys don't even know. John, o- John Osteen, that's Joel's daddy. John Osteen promoted these guys. And now introducing Todd Keen and the Power Team 2.0. Do you guys recognize the music? What's this music? Look at him breaking bricks, busting bladders, running through blocks of ice. Look at that. That was, oh, that was him. That Jay ripped that phone booky, threw it up in the air. Uh, that was the move I did on your album. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Alright. So that was the power team. I think that was a 2005. I think that was a 2005. Promotion. All right. So, in, in all honesty, in all, in all. So here's here's an actual serious testimony about the power team. All right. Like absolutely, this really happened. Okay. This actually happened. Um, I was uh, at the time just the children's pastor at. Uh, we had not even turned into North Clay yet. I was, it was just at Centercrest. Uh, so it was before Centercrest, merged with Eagle Ridge, and we became North Clay. So I was working as the children's pastor. We were at the old campus in Center Point, real close to where Casey and Logan live. And um, one Sunday morning, these two young ladies come walking in, and I mean they are they're so excited and they're just just giddy beyond recognition. And they walk up to me, and they they say, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, last night we prayed, and we asked Jesus into our heart, and it was because we went and they saw the power team. They weren't called the power team anymore. They were called Team Impact at that time and I don't know if they're still called the Power Team or Team Impact at that time, or uh, still today, but um, back when, when I knew them, when Joe and Keith and Kristen, and Bethany, did you ever go to them? You, know, you, were, you were godlier than us. Drew, did you ever see them? Did you ever see them? Not they were always called the Power Team, but they were called Team Impact when these two young ladies went to go see them. They said they, they went and they saw them there. They prayed. They asked Jesus into their heart. And I started asking them, well, why did why did you uh, why did you make that decision? What was the what was leading up to it? What was going on? And all they could tell me about it, not a single moment of the conversation focused on the work of Jesus. None of it focused on the power of God. None of it talked about the cross or the resurrection. None of those things were mentioned. But you know what they did tell me about? They told me about how those guys broke bats. They told me about how those guys could rip phone books. They told me how they could run through blocks of ice and they could set up all these bricks and they could break them with their hands and with their head all the same time. That's what they talked about. And these guys went around. I mean, you saw it. They've been around since the 70s. You saw it. They've gone all over the world. And they've gone and they've done this message where they break stuff or they rip things up and they show these acts of strength where they bend these metal rods or any kind of thing like that. And what they say say is that God has given us strength and because God has given us strength, we can break stuff and we can tell you how to tap into that strength too. Now, when we come to the idea that Yahweh is strong and mighty, is that the strong and mighty that we're talking about? No, it's not. And point of fact, those young ladies walked away and they were so excited, but guys, they were so confused because it was a bait-and-switch tactic. They sat there and they got everybody hyped up and, 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 and ready to, 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 to do something Because they were seeing these guys up on stage doing something incredible. And so they wanted to do something. And so the way they were able to be pulled in is, now you can come up front and you can ask Jesus into your heart. And and these two girls got swept up in it. And it it took a couple of years talking with these young ladies before that started to unravel. And started, they started seeing, hey, they didn't actually do anything about the gospel. What they espoused, or what they talk about being strong and mighty is nothing like what the gospel says is strong and mighty. So if we're coming up to who is this king of glory, if we're talking about who is this Lord, who is Yahweh, and is he strong and mighty, you've got to understand, you've got to remove yourself from this idea that it means that somehow he is... Like jacked up and ripped. It doesn't mean that he's uh, that he is somehow going to. It's, it doesn't mean that he's going to give you strength to do like superhuman abilities. Nothing like that. Okay, and that kind of stuff still goes on today. Like I said, the power steam's still rolling on. Uh, it's still rolling on. There are uh, guys who wear t-shirts. I see them all the time. It's Jesus with the cross on his back. Have you seen these uh, guys? And he, Jesus is like on the ground. He's got the crown of thorns, the cross on his back. And he's like in a push-up position. And it says, bench press this on it. Have you guys seen that? I'm I'm sure if you look up, if you do a Google image search of Jesus, bench press this, you'll find it. There's this idea that if God is so strong and mighty, if Jesus is so strong and mighty, that if we trust in him, we get that strength and we get that might. But understand, guys, that is not what we're tapping into. When we're looking at the person of Jesus, we're not talking about parlor tricks. We're not talking about ripping phone books or bending metal. No, we're talking about actual, real power. We're talking about real might and strength, okay? We're not talking about some sort of hat trick. And so what are we talking about when we come to Jesus's strength and his might? When we come to the strong and mighty Yahweh, what are we talking about? Well, I'm going to break it down. There it is. Lord's Jim. He's got the sin of the world. He's got the cross on his back. And uh, yeah, I've seen on some of them, it'll say bench press this and stuff like that. I mean, it is crazy. You guys see that? That's I still, my uncle. Is this going to be out there on, on, on live in, in the world? It's okay. We're okay. We're okay. Uh, he, he won't watch it. But here's the thing, guys. We're going to dive into what does it mean to say that Yahweh is strong in mind. We're going to break it down in three different ways, okay? We're going to break it down in three different ways. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you, and then you guys will we'll come back and catch them. You guys can fill in the blanks a little later. We've got to talk about three ways... Um, that Jesus proves his strength and his might, okay? He's going to be over the natural, over the supernatural, and over sin and death, okay? The natural, supernatural, and sin and death. So we're gonna, don't worry, we're going to go back and we're going to grab them. So number two, how did Jesus prove his strength and might? Well, Jesus displayed strength and might over the natural. Now what does it mean to say the natural? What does it mean to say the natural? What do y'all think that means? Things,
1: that people
0: can do. Mm-hmm. things in nature, yeah. Yeah, earthly things, things that we can maybe perceive and see, right? If you are talking about natural things, you're talking about things that you can interact with. Is anybody, or everybody in here, understand this, everybody in here is a natural being okay? I can interact with you, and you can interact with me. Yeah, we are both. But in that, we are a natural being. You can interact with nature. You can interact with the world around you, with creation around you. So when we're saying that Jesus displayed strength and might over the natural, we're going to, so what we're going to do, we are going to dive into some portions of Scripture, okay? But I'm not going to give you just a huge breadth of it i'm gonna give you two stories from jesus's life at each point to prove to you how he interacts with those elements with the natural the supernatural sin and death we're gonna look at two stories in his life we're gonna kind of dive not real deep but just deep enough to where we see it all right and we're gonna look at how he interacts with the natural so let's see let's pull up our bible verses for the natural Mark 4, 35 through 41. Would anyone like to read that for us? It's a long passage. Kaylee, you got it. All right. And John 9, 1 through 12, who wants that? Casey. And then also grab 24 and 25. You'll get you'll get a chance. You'll get a chance in a little bit. right. So remember this is under the heading that Jesus displays strength and might over the natural. Over the natural things. In creation. And whenever you're there in Mark 4, 35 through 41, go ahead and read that for us. Again, because of what he did there, because of he showed his strength and might over the natural, these men asked, who is this guy? But let's break that story down just a little bit, and we're going to see how he he has strength and might over the natural. He gets into a boat. He is going across. Who is he going across with in the boat? His disciples. He's going across with his disciples. And what is Jesus doing? Is he helping them navigate through the waters? What's he doing? He's asleep. He's asleep in the boat. And while he is sleeping in the boat, while they are going across the water, what starts? A storm, windstorm, wind and waves. And it's apparently bad enough that these men who've been on the water their whole life, they've been in boats for their entire uh, childhood, adulthood, and their careers. These guys are scared, and they go and they wake Jesus up, and they say, Don't you care that we are perishing? What does it mean to say that they're perishing? Yeah, they're about to die. These guys are afraid they're going to die. Uh, That is a huge and massive windstorm for this little boat. They're afraid they're going down. Jesus, get up and come help us. And this is what the Bible tells us. Jesus gets up and it says he rebukes the wind and the waves. Now that, just in layman's terms, or in kind of the way that I would describe it, even to the adults and to kids across the board. That means he gets on to the wind and the waves. He rebukes the wind and the waves. Peace, be still. And you know what they do? They get still. When I was in the youth group myself, many, 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 many moons ago, I was in Miami On a mission trip, and our our day was to be spent outside doing a backyard Bible club. Some of y'all have done backyard Bible clubs with me before. So we were going to be outside doing a backyard Bible club, and the rain just moved in, and it was thundering and lightning, and it was pouring down. And my youth pastor, all right, my youth pastor, walks out of the front door looks up at the sky, puts his hands in the air, and he says, Stop rain! And you know what happened? Not a single thing. Alright? That rain kept blowing and coming down. That thunder and lightning kept flashing and sounding. You want to know why? Because he doesn't have strength and might over the wind, and the waves. Now, he did it as a joke. He didn't actually think it was going to work because when he went out there and when he did it, I mean, he yelled out like, like he had all kinds of authority, like he had all kinds of power and strength, but it didn't amount to a thing. And he knew it. And at the end of the day, we trusted the Lord. We went out there. We got to the Backyard Bible Club. We were not able to do it like we had planned it, but we were able to kind of call it an audible, and we were still able to have a great time. We shared the gospel with some kids that day. It was really a fun and wonderful day they had never ever in their wildest dreams thought that someone would just get up look at wind and waves and rain and say stop it and then the wind and sea obey but understand this Yahweh our Lord he has strength and might over the natural what about John chapter 9 verses 1 through 12
2: had it by, he saw a man bird. It's
0: So don't go to the next verses just yet, okay? So there's this blind man. A blind man for how long? Just a couple of years? His no, his whole life. From birth. A blind man from birth. And Jesus walks up to him. We won't get into all the narrative and all that, that they get into asking him questions. Rabbi, who sinned and everything. But the, the thing is that Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud with his fingers, puts it on his eyes and said, go wash the mud off. And when he goes and washes the mud off, all of a sudden, this guy who's been blind all of his life can see. Think about that for just a moment. Think about it for just a second. You've always heard about the color red, but you've never seen it until you opened your eyes and all of a sudden that's red. You can see it. All of a sudden, wait a minute. This is the place that I was sitting? Wait. That's the person who used to come up and used to say hey to me every day? Being able to see for the first time, and he's blown away, and he finds his way back to where he was. And people are like, How are you seeing? How are you able to use your eyes now? What's happening? He says, This guy named Jesus spit on the ground, put the mud on my eyes, and go washing off. And now I can see. I I've never seen you before, but now I know what you look like. And no, 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 this can't be the guy. Surely not. And in fact, people started getting after him. They started. They started saying, "Nah, come here. We got to talk to you about this." They started getting on to him. They started getting after him, yelling at him, taking him before councils. They even called his parents in and said, "Hey." Does this guy? Is this guy really your son? Yeah, that's our son. How long has he been blind? All of his life. How can he see now? Hey, hey. And the, the parents like, I don't, I don't know. They realize that that there's trouble coming. They say, I, I don't know. Ask him. He's an adult. Ask him. I don't know. So they call him back a second time, and this is his answer in verse twenty-four and twenty-five. I love this. For the, so for the second
2: time, they called the man who had been blind, and said to him, Give. God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not
0: know. One thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. Guys, I love this man. They sit there and they say, hey, give glory to God. Give glory to God. Jesus, he's he's just a sinner. Give glory to God. He goes, listen, now, whether he's a sinner, I don't know or not, but this guy made me able to see. I was blind and now I see. I love this guy. What a simple testimony. I was born blind. And Jesus even said why I was born blind. You're born blind because the glory of God is going to be shown in you. Spits, makes mud, puts it on his eyes, washes. And then he can't find Jesus because he doesn't know what Jesus looks like. then he says guys I don't really know who this man is I don't know his past but I know that I was blind and now I see yeah Jesus has strength and might over the natural and it involves wind and storms and sea and it involves everything that we're going to encounter in our life yeah he has strength and might over that so what about the supernatural Jesus displayed strength and might over the supernatural. What is the supernatural? Demons Demons are supernatural, absolutely. Things that we know exist, yeah, but we can't see or we can't interact with them, can we? And they can interact with us. They can be a part of our daily lives, but we can't really do anything with them. They exist in a different area. So how is it that Jesus displays strength and might over the supernatural? We've got some stories to look at for that. So Luke eleven fourteen. 14, someone uh, go for that one. Mark 5, 1 through 13, uh, just, I'll get you on the next one, all right? Mark 5, 1 through 13. Uh, so whenever you are at Luke eleven fourteen, 14, it's just one verse, but man, it's a powerful verse. Uh, I want you to read it for us whenever you get to it. in one verse in one verse Luke explains everything that's going on and here's what's going on there is a devil your translation said devil a demon that is afflicting this man and it's afflicting him in such a way that he cannot speak that he cannot speak to be mute have you guys ever met someone who is mute? Have you guys ever met someone who couldn't speak? Yes. Yeah. Now, they, they probably can make noise, right? They can make they can make noises. They can try to signal what's going on. to what now? He's deaf. And he's deaf. Yeah. But they cannot talk. At the school that I work at, I'm picking up a little boy. He's just been added to my route, and he's, he's six years old, and he's as cute as he can be, but this little boy can't say a word. Every once in a while, at the back of the bus, he'll get excited, and he'll kind of make some noise. Ah, you know, he's he's excited, he's happy about something. But that's, that's all he can do. He's mute. And it just says in one verse, he was casting out a demon that was mute. It's not that the demon didn't have anything to say. It's that he was stopping the person that he was afflicting from saying anything. And Jesus is casting him out. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. Guys understand that when we come to stories like the the wind and the waves, we see the natural elements of things. When we come to him making him blind, we understand that that's a natural problem with the fall, but there are times that the supernatural comes into play. And we don't know when those times come in. I don't know if this little boy is afflicted from a natural condition or a supernatural one, but I know he's afflicted. And I know that Jesus and Jesus alone, whether it's natural or supernatural, has an ability to say, if he wanted to, now tongue be released. You may now talk. And Jesus could do that. In this instant, that demon is cast out. What does it mean to cast something out? Do what? To take it out, remove it, kick it out, get it away. You don't belong here anymore. Evicted. And all of a sudden, this man could talk. Yeah, he has power over supernatural. But is it just, is it just supernatural like something that, that we see just normally and kind of mundane like that? What about Mark 5, 1 through 13? Read that for me. This is a cool story as well. Guys, this is a fellow who, he was afflicted, not just by one demon, not just by one, but a legion. That's a Latin term, uh, by then common to Jews and Greeks that defined a Roman military unit of 6,000 infantrymen. Six thousand infantrymen. What's your name? I am Legion, for we are many. This is a guy who was breaking chains, who was power teaming it. This is a legit. This is a guy who was not able to be subdued. He was cutting himself with stones. He lived among the tombs. That means he was most comfortable with the dead. And when he sees Jesus, what does it say he does? Does it say he goes up there to attack Jesus? What does it say he did? And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Immediately, this supernatural thing that encounters Jesus falls down before him. Why? Because there's one person here who's got strength and might, only one who's got power. And it's not me even though I'm breaking chains. It's not me even though no one can subdue me. It's not me even though I can do whatever I want to with these people who try to do something with me. It's not me, but it's this man, Jesus. He has strength, he has might, and he has power over me. He has ability. And Jesus looks at him and just with a word, Just with words. He looks at this supernatural force that no one could confront. And he casts them out. Just like, just like he was telling someone an order at a restaurant. All right, go on the pig's. Guys, how weak does a power team look by comparison? They look tiny, don't they? Insignificant. So does Jesus have strength and might over the natural? Absolutely. Does Jesus have strength and might over the supernatural? Without a doubt. Last but certainly not least... Jesus displayed strength and might over sin and death. And guys, this hits us squarely in our needs, okay? So let's look at the verses real quick that we're going to take to understand that. Matthew 9, 1 through 8, who, uh, I'm going to get you to do that one, John. And John 11, 38 through 44, who wants that one? John 11, 38 through 44 Wants it. Go for it, kid. All right, and whenever you are ready, whenever you are at Matthew 9, go ahead and read it for us. so they bring a guy who's a paralytic what does that mean paralyzed he can't walk yeah they bring him he's lying on a bed and what does Jesus say to him first he doesn't say get up and walk first what does he say what was it that he told the man that caused such a commotion your sins are forgiven your sins are forgiven Real quick, what are sins? What's sin? Breaking God's law. How many of us in this room have sinned? Yeah, all of us. How many of us can do something about that sin? None of us. We have to either be forgiven of sin or we've got to be punished for it. And there's only one who can do something about our sin, only one who can forgive us of sins, and that is Yahweh, that is the Lord. That's the King of glory. Only one person can do it. And Jesus gets up there, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And let me tell you something, if I looked at you, Jonathan, and I said, Jonathan, your sins are forgiven you, you know what you could rightly say to me? That I'm blaspheming. Because I don't have that power. I don't have that authority. I don't have that strength. I cannot do it. And so when Jesus gets up there and when Jesus says your sins are forgiven you, their reaction is somewhere in the realm of where mine might have been. So don't be too hard on them on that. They say, hey, he's blaspheming. No one can do that but God. They didn't understand who he was, even though they should have. They didn't understand who he was. And then I, I love what Jesus does here. He says, why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Now, I'm going to ask you guys that question. Which one's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk? Which one's easier? Your sins are forgiven. Why? Because he's a, he he's a paralytic, he can't walk. But he also can't do anything about his sin, right? So is it easier to say rise and walk? Both of them are in the same footing. You're right. It's impossible. He's not going to rise and walk. There's no way he can do it. He can't look at him and say rise and walk. That's going to defy every bit of logic. And so these guys are looking at Jesus and he says, your sins are forgiven. They're saying, that defies every bit of logic. You cannot do that unless you are the Lord, unless you are Yahweh. You cannot do that. And so Jesus said, which one's easier to say? And they kind of look around and, well, neither one of them are easier to say. I guess you can say both of them. Only one of them we can see the proof. And maybe that's where where Jesus meets him. He says, so let me prove to you that not only do I have authority to forgive sins, let me prove to you I have authority to forgive sins because I can also do another impossible thing. And he looks at him and he says, rise and walk. And you know what the guy does? He does it. He rises and he walks. And what Jesus does there is he shows for everyone who saw it and heard it. I mean this guy can do the impossible even forgive sins? Even forgive my sins? What about John eleven, thirty eight through thirty-four? Jesus has power over sin. Not only is that, he has power over death. Now, guys, just real quick before my time is up, okay? My time's actually up, but so it's, it's significant. It's significant to tell you about the four days. It's significant to let you know that, okay? Because here's, this is not true. This is not real, okay? But it was a superstition of the time, okay? They used to have this superstition that when you died, you would lay there and they would actually leave your, your body out for a little bit, because what the superstition claimed is that when you died, your soul left the body, and that it hovered around for a little while, and it would hover around the body, and if it ever found the body again, it would, it would go back inside, and then you'd come back to life. They actually believed that. And sometimes people would, they would think we're dead, sometimes people would just kind of wake up, you know, and everything. Because their body naturally was able to do the the work that God had allowed it to do, that God had designed it to do. But here's the significance of the four days. They would let your body there. They believed that your soul would hover around for three days. And at the end of three days, guess where it would go? would go off into Hades. That was the superstition of the day. Lazarus had been dead for how many days? Four. What kind of hope did anybody have that his life was going to be back in it? zero? Not even their superstition rose to the level of thinking that this dead man could get up. Jesus walks up to the tomb, says, remove the tomb. They says, guys, or she says, Jesus, it's been four days. He's going to have an odor. The King James Version really puts it beautifully. And it says, by now he stinketh. Hallelujah. Because that's all a dead man can do is stink. Dead man can't do anything. And by this time, there's no hope for life to come back in him. Move the stone, they move it, and then it says, he says with a loud voice. In other words, he makes sure everyone hears him. Why does he say it with a loud voice? It's not that he needs to say it with a loud voice. It's because he wants everybody who's in the crowd to hear that it's on his authority, and his authority alone is by his word that what's about to happen comes down. And he says with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And a dead man gets up. And a dead man walks out of a tomb. Not because some physician came. Not because some pastor came and prayed for him. Not because any magician came up and threw an incantation his way. But because the King of Glory the Lord, Yahweh Himself, came up and showed strength and might even over sin and, yes, death. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that His strength over death even conquers His own. I think about that for a minute. not only does he have strength over death of a man in a tomb, but when he lies dead, he still has power over it. So who is this King of Glory? Who is this Emmanuel? Who am I introducing you to? Well, he is the King of Glory. He is strong and he is mighty. Next week, We're going to be looking at Yahweh mighty in battle. That's what we're looking at next week. But for now, we need to rest and understand that if this Yahweh is strong and mighty, that whatever battle we're going to be talking about, he fights next week. That same power applies there. So let me pray for us. We're going to have some opportunities to sing to this great and mighty God. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to look at your Son and to be blown away at who he is. That, Father, he is our King of glory, that he is strong and mighty, that he is powerful over the natural, he's powerful over the supernatural and over sin and death. And that, Father, we can trust and believe in this King of glory. We can believe in Emmanuel. Because he's worthy and only he's worthy. I thank you and I praise you for all these things. And it's in his name we offer this prayer. Amen.